0: I don't know, whenever the pastor leaves for a week, uh, you come back, and then, um, you know, this last, it was kind of an interesting situation. I, I left for a week on a snowmobile trip. I come back, and then Nick was uh, preaching last week, did a great job, and um, and then everybody starts to ask the question, like, are you ever going to preach again? You know, like, are you ever going to share again? I'm kind of going, man, is that a compliment? <laughs> like, that'd be awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'll preach again, and Um, I was glad to get away, and I think it's important for, you know, people to get away a little bit and do stuff. So we went on a snowmobile trip all the way out to Colorado. We had to find the snow in steam. We found in Steamboat Springs. Colorado, right over the mountain on the other side, it's called Rabbit Ears Pass, and we had an opportunity to go out there, and basically right when we got out there, a ton of snow came, we had an opportunity to get stuck, well, not me, but Jake and Brian and a few others. But anyway, um, we had a great opportunity, had a lot of fun, and what I, what I realized kind of as we're driving back through a snowstorm in Nebraska is that, you know what, the day, today's world and the technology that we have, you really never get lost, I mean, you never really get lost anymore, do you? I mean, not only are the, is the government tracking each and every one of us through our cell phone, right? You got these navigation systems that are telling you exactly where you are in every spot in the United States and, you know, throughout the whole world. And as we're driving through Nebraska, I don't know if you've ever been on I-80 through Nebraska, probably the most boring. Don't even say it. Don't even say it that it's more, I, I-35 is boring, more boring. It's not. <laughs> I-80 is worse. I'm telling you, Iowa's great. Iowa's great. I-35 is great. I-80 through Nebraska, terrible. Absolutely terrible. Worst place ever. But you cannot, I'm telling you, you can't get lost anymore in today's world with the technology. Do you remember when we were, when, how do we say we were kids? But when, when I was a kid... Do you remember when your parents gave you directions? Like, my dad would say, okay, you're going to your friend's house. Where's your friend living? I go, well, my friend Corey he goes, oh, yeah, Corey, yeah. Okay, so go down the lane, take a right, go four miles, take a left. It should be right by that big red barn. Yeah, okay, Dad, I got it. Are you writing this down? Yeah, I got it. I'm writing it down. Take a left, go about three miles, find the dirt road, and take a left. Now, if you go too far, you get to town, turn around and go back, and then take the, the dirt road going to the north. Okay, got it. Never eat shredded wheat. You guys know that one, right? Okay, and then just drive as far as you can, can until you see the Iowa Hawkeyes mailbox on your right. <laughs> then you know you're there. Yeah, I mean, okay, Dad, well, how am I going to get home, right? Well, just read the directions backwards. <laughs> Start at the Iowa Hawkeyes mailbox. Take the dirt road south. Don't go left because you'll take it into town. Go to the right three miles and then go to the left. Then take another right four miles and then find our driveway take it to the left. And I'm kind of going, Dad, I'm already lost. There's something about today's world in which we live in that we are, we're kind of always like physically we have a place in this world and everybody knows so much of where we are because of the technology that we live in. For example, my son works at Chick-fil-A, and one of the things that I've noticed is when Chick-fil-A, they close at like, you know, 10, 30, or 10 o'clock, 10 30, whatever. he doesn't get out of there sometimes until 30, 11 o'clock, and it's like on a school night, and I'm kind of going, I'm like in bed, and all I can do is I pull out my phone, and I sit, hit find my iPhone, and I find Grant, and I'm watching him on my iPhone to see if he's going to get home, Right? And so he, I know exactly, and he's walking like, you know, to the garbage or something and then out and then he goes to, he walks around where he parks and like, I'm just following him because I want to know where he is. Physically, there are ways for us to know where we are and physically, I don't think we could ever be lost anymore in this world in a physical way. But I think many of us are lost in a spiritual way. Many of us are, can be lost spiritually in our lives. We may look good on the outside, we may do the right things, we may think the right thoughts, we might go to church, but yet there's this deep loss inside of us spiritually. It's dry, it's desolate, we are distracted, we are chasing things that don't satisfy, and for whatever reason, for whatever reason, we are just completely lost, and sometimes we don't even realize it. Sometimes we don't even realize it. I don't know if that's you today, but if that's you today, the message today is that there's a message of hope There's a message of joy. There's a message today that is going to bring life to you. And you have to be willing to listen. You have to be willing to hear it because the message for you today is that there's life, that there's hope, and that you can be found. Today, um, we're going to look at the story in the Bible, the story of Ezekiel, now, if you know the story of Ezekiel, it's, it's in the Old Testament, and, and basically he's a prophet, and, and he's one of the guys who gets exiled into, from Jerusalem into Babylon. He's one of the first exiles, and he's in Babylon for about five years. As he's in Babylon for five years, he's basically sitting there. He turns 30 years old. He's a priest, and now God has commissioned him to be a prophet, and the very next thing that happens to Ezekiel is he gets a vision. He gets a spiritual revelation. He is, in some ways, in exile, lost. He's questioning, he's doubting, and he gets this vision, a supernatural revelation of what is happening and why he is where he is. He gets this vision of of God and a, a throne, and, and I mean you can he can you can try to describe it. There's a picture of of what um, uh, in the next slide that kind of describes these these four animals and these four heads of these animals and these wheels underneath and this this basically this platform within, with an with a throne and then this image of this light and and all of it has representation of like God's glory, God's presence. And in God's presence and in God's glory, like like he gets this vision that that the presence of God in this amazing glory is leaving, a little bit later on in, in, in Ezekiel 11, it actually leaves the temple and goes to be with the people in Babylon. And the reason it leaves the temple, the reason it leaves the place is because of the people's idolatry, the people's worship of other gods, Basically, the people were, you know, not shaping up and so God ships them out. Not doing the things that God required in some ways. God removes them from that place. He exiles them. And now God's presence and now God's glory is going as well. And so here's Ezekiel. He's he's sitting on the riverbanks and he's wondering. I can only imagine, just like I think many of us probably think the same thing, like how did I get to this place? place in my life how did we get here my guess is is that probably all of us at some point in time in our life especially when we get to a point where spiritually we are lost we get to a certain spot where we're feeling empty we're feeling dry we question and we start to doubt and we sit there and we go how did I get here I'm so lost I'm confused and I wonder the good news in, 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 in at that place is a time when we get to see God reveal himself. It never seems to fail when I talk to people. They say, when I'm at rock bottom, when I'm at my worst, when I'm at the place when I question God the most, that's when God seems to just show up. God just Shows up and he reminds me of his goodness. He reminds me of his faithfulness. He reminds me of his love. And even as, I was, as we were singing today the song, there's another in the fire. The question is, is what's the fire? The challenges of life. The difficulties. The burdens. The, the, the persecution. I mean, I mean, I think it really is talking about you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fact that while they're in the fire, God's with them. God's presence is with them even in the fire. And even when you're in the fire, God is with you. But even when you're in the fire, you don't get burned because God's with you. I mean, this is is the message and and even if you're in a dry and desolate place and you're at rock bottom and you're questioning and you're doubting and you don't know and you're uncertain, oh great, good place to start. God's foundation is a good place to start. To say, I'm going to turn back, I'm going to believe, I'm going to put my hope, my faith in Jesus. And at that moment, he's going to show up, he's going to reveal himself, and he's going to do something significant for me. I know it, I believe it. You know, I, Ezekiel has about six different visions in the Bible. And we're not going to do all six of them, there's a lot of them. But he has six of them. And, and uh, a couple of them, um, we're going to talk about today, and the one that we're mainly going to focus on is actually in Ezekiel chapter 37. So if you have your Bibles and you, you like to open them up during service and, and read some of the passages that are in here, you can turn um, to Ezekiel chapter 37, and this is the passage that talks about Israel being restored, the hope of the people of God would be restored. Restored. And this, so this is the story. Let me read it for you. This is the epic story today that we want to look at. Ezekiel chapter 37, starting with verse 1. The Lord took a hold of me, and he's talking to Ezekiel. And he said, And, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me around, all around, uh, around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out, then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? I mean, you probably know this story. We sing a little bit, a song that kind of talks about this. And many of us, you know, maybe love this story and we, we, we see it. But just think about that. It's a desolate place. It's a dry place where bones are just laying around, dead. The, the decay, the... The fact that it's just desolate and dry and in a place of spiritual you know here again like I think this is a metaphor it's like a connection to our spiritual lives that there's this dry and weary place and the question is is can God do something inside of us can he bring a refreshment can he bring hope can he bring life back to these dying bones Ted, nothing it says this Son of man, can these, and then he asked, uh, they were completely dried out. It said, then in verse three, it says, then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the bones and say, dry bones, listen to what the Lord, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you, and I will make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. There are many people that need to hear this. Many people need to understand this. That God's voice, that the sovereign Lord speaks a message. And it's when we say prophetic, don't think of it as like, oh, this is kind of crazy. Like those are the people that are weird over there in a different church. Like those are the ones. No, a prophetic message is a message from God. And God is speaking to the Israelite people who are lost in captivity and in exile in Babylon. And he's, and he's given the vision to Ezekiel, the prophet who's gonna speak to these people and he's saying, when you speak to them, tell them that I am good. Tell them that I'm loving. Tell them that I am the, the, the one that breathes life into emptiness, that breathes hope into despair. I'm the one that gives life to the dead. Like, this is who God is. So if you're in a spiritually dark place or even the people of you know, Israel that are in captivity in a place that's, that, that just in so many ways they're lost, God has, has not left them. God has not rejected them. God is coming for them. He's coming to restore them, to bring them back to life. And he speaks the message. He says, this is what I do. I can speak this message and you will come to life. So he says, I, so I, in verse 7 he says, so I spoke this message. Okay, He's using Ezekiel to speak God's message and he says, so I spoke this message as he had told me. Suddenly I spoke. There was a rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And, um, Um, then i then i watched muscles and flesh form over the bones then skin formed to cover their bodies and they still had no breath in them there's an interesting kind of thought here is the fact that could it be that there are people who are alive physically but dead spiritually because there's a question here, in a way, he's going, they're fully complete as a person in a, in a body, in skin, in muscles, and maybe even mind. Like, we, we get this imagery that that's what's happened here. But he says, there's no breath in them. Each and every one of us need to have the breath of God in us to live. And so this is what he next says. He says, he says then he said to, to me, to Ezekiel, he says, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So Ezekiel spoke the message just as he had commanded, was commanded And breath came into their bodies, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. I love this message of Ezekiel and the prophet. I love the, the story of that God is not leaving or rejecting his people, that, that he has a way and a purpose and a plan, even when we're lost spiritually, even when we're lost in a foreign land, even when we have rejected God and that we have we've worshiped other idols and that we follow other things, that we've, we've chased the things of this world and yet God is still chasing us. He still loves us, he's still pursuing us and he's still raising the dead, spiritually dead, back to spiritual life. Now, the only parallel I could figure out to, to kind of talk about this was, was actually going in from this story. And, and Ezekiel has a couple more really good uh, visions. At the very end, Ezekiel talks about this vision of of, of a, a temple, not Jerusalem, but a temple that's going to be reestablished and, and God's going to be present there and, and there's going to be a river that comes out of the, the, the temple and, and, and the imagery is probably you know, the fact that it's actually going to be in Revelation more than necessarily just Jerusalem. It's going to be at the very end but there's a river that comes out and the water of the river goes into the most desolate place on earth the Dead Sea, and it says the riverbanks of the Dead Sea will have trees and vegetation and plants will grow again. That God in some way through the temple, through his power, through his spirit, is not just going to revive the dead bones and bring them back to life, he's going to bring back all of creation back to life, even to the sense of like the Garden of Eden. That's the the very last vision that Ezekiel has uh, in the very end of of his book. The parallel, the connection to where I think we need to go today is this. The Old Testament talks about the nation of Israel. When we come to know faith in Jesus Christ, we believe that we have been grafted into the nation of Israel. So there's a connection for us to follow and understand what God does for the people of Israel. But there's also a New Testament, a New Testament where God himself does something for us. He comes to this Place, Jesus, through the through the power of of God, Jesus Himself, God Himself comes to this place to find spiritually dead people. To seek and save that which is lost. He came to seek and to save what was lost. And the whole Old Testament has a way of, of, of building the story, the epic story for it to be fulfilled in the story of Jesus. And so we get this story of dry bones, but the parallel is is that the spirit of the Sovereign Lord that spoke into the people of Israel to, to come alive, the bones that have flesh and skin and breath in them, is the same spirit of the Sovereign Lord that Isaiah prophesies about in Isaiah 61 when he says there's gonna be the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord will be upon the Messiah, the one that will come, and that one is gonna bring life to the dead. He's gonna bring hope, he's gonna bring, he's gonna set the captives free, he's gonna open the eyes of the blind, he's gonna cure those people that have leprosy, he's gonna gonna do all these types of work, he's gonna preach the gospel, the good news to everybody in the world. He's gonna gonna open the eyes of the blind, he's gonna find those that are lost, because that's what he does. And so Isaiah prophesies about it 700 years before Jesus actually shows up. Jesus shows up and people are asking him like, are you really the Messiah or not? He's kind of going, living water flows from within me. Yes, I'm the one that brings refreshment. I'm the one that brings life. I'm the one that does these things. And they're questioning these things. John the Baptist is amazing. John the Baptist kind of goes, okay, I'm in prison preaching the message about the fact that you're setting the captives free. I'm in prison. And as I, while I'm in prison, he basically takes and he says, you uh, disciples, why don't you go ask Jesus, like, are you really the one that was coming? Because I'm in prison. I don't really get this. You ask Jesus why I'm in prison. Like, You ask Jesus, is there somebody else that's coming? I mean, actually, let's read this one. This is a really great passage here. It says this in verse, um, it says here, in one of my slides here, in Matthew chapter 11, it says, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about these things, about these things that the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? And Jesus says this, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. There is a message of what God is is at work doing. I can only imagine what our lives in this world have been like it just seems to me that the way the world is generally, it's a place that wants to beat us up. It's a place that really creates a lot of hardship, sorrow, conflict. You know, we, we have a way of having disagreements with our family members. We have a way of being hurt by a, a breakup or a marriage that fails. We have a way in somehow to make a mistake and, and have to pay for it and consequences of our actions. We have a way of looking for things in this world to satisfy the emptiness in us that we're chasing things that just don't satisfy. These are the things that, we, that, that happen within our, our world and it's difficult. We lose loved ones and we question like, where is God in all of this? In the Bible, one of the stories that I think helps us understand the desolate and dark and burdened place that we live in is when Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus dies because they're broken, they're questioning, they're doubting. They had hope that Jesus was going to save everyone and rescue and bring life and Yet Jesus didn't at that moment save Lazarus. And here's Mary and Martha questioning, doubting, thinking in some way like, God, if you would have been here, you could have done what you said you were going to do. We believed in you and we questioned you. Martha still kind of still believes and Mary's still kind of questioning. And there's just this connection where, where Jesus is now weeping because he's lost his friend and there's a place of mourning and a grief and it just seems so desolate, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem so dry and empty? And and we, we, we get to that place in our life at some point in time and that's the time when Jesus shows up and does something amazing. He shows up on the scene and Mary and Martha are asking him like the question like, do you know who I am? He goes, you know, I'm the resurrection and the life. Like, I bring life to the dead. Don't you know who I am? Where's, where's Lazarus? He's in the tomb. Okay, let's go to the tomb. Let's roll the stone away. He's been dead four days. Well, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus comes out, and there's this celebration. There's this joy. See the parallel, the connection to the Old Testament? Ezekiel speaks. The sovereign Lord speaks, and he brings the dead to life. He puts breath into them. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, the same Spirit of the Sovereign Lord that Isaiah had, or that Ezekiel had the vision about, Isaiah prophesies about, and Jesus does what? Speaks because he is the Sovereign Lord. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on Jesus. He is God himself, and he speaks to the dead, and the dead come to life. The challenge for us today is this. Are we going to believe? Jesus asked Mary, Martha, did you believe me? Do you know who I am? Because if you believe, you can have this life too. You can have joy. You can have hope. You can have satisfaction. The problem that we have is that we don't listen to the truth. We, most of the time, we listen to the lies of the enemy. You're no good. You're worthless. God could never change you. There's no way. You're destined to always be this way. Those are the lies of the enemy. The Bible says the thief, the father of lies an enemy, he is the one that's looking to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's going to lie to you, tell you all the things that, that you think are true but are lies about who you are. The one that came to give us life and have it to the max is Jesus. He's the one that satisfies our emptiness in our life. The thief's purpose, kill, steal, kill, and destroy. God's purpose, Jesus' purpose, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Do you want the water? Do you want the refreshment to come and to bring about the dryness, to bring about life again? You know, um, Jesus says, to the people who were weary and heavy burdened, he says this, come to me. Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear and my burden, the burden I give you is light. Let's pray. Father, today, I think this is the message that's for everybody that lives in this world that has a way of bringing about disappointment and frustrations and struggles. It can be a hard, difficult place. But you give us life. You give us hope. And the place that we are going to be at for all eternity is a place where your presence and your power is. And until we get there, you've placed your presence and your power within each one of us who believe. And God, we are that light into this dark and broken and hurting world. I pray, Father, today that there will be people who respond. There are people that say, I'm, I'm tired of living in these ways. I want a new life. I want new hope. I want something that satisfies. I want the breath of life to be breathed into me. I want my brokenness and my hurt to be fixed. I want my emptiness to be satisfied. I want the dead spiritually lost person to finally find hope to find purpose and meaning, and to find life. So, Father, we pray that uh, this would happen today by anyone that says, I'm ready to come to Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd stand and join us as we sing this last song together.